Are either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Yeah, well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry? You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. Welcome back inside the screening room. Check it out. All the new releases on the big movie screens and on the small screens. Well, you could have some big screens at home, I guess. Yes. On home video is what Just I'm Just not try- at our home. I'm trying to say that's right. Uh, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And we are from MadWolf.com. This is the Screening Room Podcast, and it's brought to you by Marcus Crosswoods Theater. With a 70-foot-wide ultra screen featuring Dolby Atmos surround sound and Dream Lounger recliners. The big screen, that is in keeping with the big movie this big. week. It's all about big. Big meets bigger when three different animals become infected with a dangerous pathogen. A primatologist and a geneticist team up to stop them from destroying Chicago. Rampage. Last night, George was seven feet and weighed 500 pounds. This morning, he's nine feet pushing a thousand. What's happening to my friend? Are you familiar with genetic editing? Changes will be incredibly unpredictable. Is he the only one? Oh, you didn't know about the 30-foot wolf? Hell of a day, huh? Science experiments falling from the sky. Is there something in the river? I was just thinking the only thing that's missing right now is a giant crocodile. So it's the latest from Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. So you know there's going to be butts in the seats. You know, I don't know who else puts them in the seats as well right now. He's he's riding pretty high. I, you know what? I don't think you're right. I don't think this movie's going to make money. Because it's, it's an idiotic concept. There are a lot of video game movies, but in most of the cases, let's take Assassin's Creed, which was not good, right? But at least the video game Assassin's Creed has a storyline mm-hmm. that you can build on. Rampage, if I recall correctly, is just you choose a giant animal and then you bust down a bunch of buildings. Well, as, so do you, you do remember the video game? Vaguely. See, I don't. Mm. Uh, as we've said before on this podcast. and in, Not gamers. In, we're not gamers. Uh, don't pretend to be. I'm, I'm an, I, I am vaguely aware of some games like Pac-Man. <laughs> <laughs> no, come on. I know some of the newer games. I think Far Cry is one. I saw somebody put on Facebook. Anyway, this was a video game. And I guess it's, it's pretty old. It's yes. not a new video no, game. No, 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 no. So, okay. So, that's why I know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> There's this genetic testing that's been going on in space. And then the station where they're having the experiments blows up and it sends a bunch of particles, these canisters with the pathogen down that crash lands on Earth and it affects, uh, infects some of, these, some of these animals. And Dwayne Johnson plays a former special forces. Of course, he's a former special forces. Because who else is going to play the former either black ops, special forces guy who's now Mr. Sensitive and (laughs) taking care of the animals. He now works as a primatologist in San Diego. And uh, he's best friends with this big gorilla named George. Cool name. Thumbs up from you. I know it. So, And they do sign language and it's all very cute. And then, of course, the gorilla George is one of the animals that gets infected. So the next time they come to see him, he's substantially bigger. And he's angry because this pathogen not only makes them keep growing, but it makes them very aggressive. So um, then you've got the gorilla. You've also got a wolf that becomes gigantic. It's all about you. The whole movie is. (laughs) That's right. George and the wolf that also can fly, flying wolf. And then there's a crocodile. 
and they all converge on downtown Chicago, and you got them all right there in Wacker Street, just <laughs> tearing everything up. What I thought of during this movie was I couldn't keep I couldn't keep myself from thinking about how fun Kong Skull Island was. Uh, yes, remember that? exactly. Yeah. Yes, and 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 it's it's like that. You feel like they were trying to do something yes. like that. They just had no substance whatsoever. None whatsoever. There, there was something about Kong Skull Island. They, they they took the right tone. It was just fun. And I will say that the you know the animals and all the fighting and all the effects in Kong Skull Island were great. So great. Oh, my God, they were great. Early on, the effects of the animals in Rampage are pretty good. When they become huge and start fighting... They're not as good. I mean, they're okay, but when you think just back to a couple of years ago with Kong Skull Island, they're not that good. Mm -mm. And the story is not nearly as good. It becomes, with all this action and all this carnage, it, it becomes boring. Because hmm. you've got these two baddies, played by Malin Ackerman and Jake Lacey, and they're behind all this genetic engineering and everything, and they just waltz around and just explain everything that you've just seen there's <laughs> right. so much talking. They are walking exposition yeah there's so much of that and again it just it becomes such a slog even when you're seeing these gigantic animals tear apart buildings and thing like things like that and fight it should be more exciting than it is and then toward the end and i'm not going to give it away but it becomes so ridiculous if you Happened to catch the new cover story interview in Rolling Stone with Dwayne Johnson. It's pretty good. I mean, because I'm not knocking him. I do like him. Yes, you do. I was just going to say, full disclosure, George is a big fan well, of think, Dwayne you know, Johnson. He, he does have incredible charisma. And I think in some movies, he has shown that he has acting talent. Remember when he had that small part in, um, it was the, the follow-up to um, Get Shorty. Uh, and he played that cowboy. Be cool. Yeah, yeah he, he was, was good in that. He was. And then that he, was also like 15 years ago. It was. But no, but, I, I mean I agree with you. I don't. I I don't think I'm as sold on his talent as you are. But he is an incredibly likable presence in is. films. But what we were talking about earlier is that the 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 most palatable movies that he's in. He has at least one other person to bounce it all off of. Yeah. You know, you're, you know, Jack Black or or Kevin Hart or, yeah. you know. Um, and well, here he does have Naomi Harris. She's incredibly talented, but talented. I, I, I don't put her in this. I mean, she's she's a really solid actor. Yes. But that's not what I mean. I mean, one of those big, bigger than life, charismatic, charming. Uh -huh. I like you so much. I'm not going to pay attention to how stupid this movie is. One of those kinds. Well, I, I know we're both thinking of how. His scenes with Jason Statham in the Fast exactly. and Furious were the only things worthwhile exactly. about that movie. Exactly. And I just found out that in reading that cover story I'm just talking about, they're going to have a spinoff with just those two. Nice. So there you nice. go. So like Melissa McCarthy. I want to see yeah. a movie with the, with the Rock and Melissa McCarthy. Okay. That's what I want to see because right. that would be funny. I would, I would very much enjoy that. All right, so back to Rampage. So you've got Naomi Harris, who you're right, is very talented, and she's pretty much the... I don't want to say sidekick, but his they, they, mm -hmm, they team mm -hmm. up together because she's a geneticist and they're trying to solve this problem. And it just dissolves into so much ridiculousness. And especially at the end, there there's a you do find out again, going back to this uh, this story, that there's a the ending of the original script for this movie, The Rock did not like. And he put his foot down and had to have a change about it. And when you see it, you will know what change he insisted on making. But then they throw in this extra little bit of cheesy fun, I guess, joke at the no, end, you which just it. made me roll my eyes. <laughs> uh, and it just, 
it's just the final coup de gras, you know, of ridiculousness for this movie. And uh, yeah, there was nothing to me that was exciting or fun. And again, I just kept thinking, just bland. How much better yeah. Kong Skull Island right? was? And I think they were trying to go with somewhat of the same vibe. You know, they find themselves dealing with gigantic animals yeah, yeah. fighting. So Rampage comes up uh, on the short end there. <laughs> Next up, a new horror movie. So we're hopeful a harmless game of truth or dare among friends turns deadly when someone or something begins to punish those who tell a lie or refuse the dare. It's truth or dare. Carter. Truth. What are your intentions with our sweet Olivia? I needed to find someone with friends that I could trick into coming here. I brought you all up here because I'm okay with strangers dying if it means I get to live. What the hell? The game's real. Okay, wherever you go, whatever you do, it'll find you. Carter said, tell the truth or you die. Do the dare or you die. Refuse to play. You know what? Screw this. And you die. This game is too smart. Half the people in this photo are now dead. How do we get out of this game alive? You can't. It's bad is what it is, George. <laughs> Can they handle the truth about this movie? <laughs> uh, probably not. And, and, you know, let's be honest. When we saw the trailer, we're like, uh-oh. It has all the earmarks of bad teenage-aimed yeah. horror. Yes. And right away, you're thinking, okay, it is ripping off It Follows. Yes. But then you look at It Follows and think, wow, it's taken a few years for someone to rip off It Follows. Yeah, which, um, you know, which was a surprise, actually, once I thought about it. Like, yes, I suppose they could have done this sooner. So basically, the idea is these far too attractive co-eds go to Mexico <laughs> for their last ever spring break together. They drink in an abandoned old mission. What? And, of course, they incur, uh, and they play truth or dare, because that totally happens. And they, um, Do kids still play Truth or Dare? I have no idea, but if you, I mean, shouldn't they be playing video games? Come on, <laughs> so, games that we have never heard of. Exactly. <laughs> so, so anyway, they they incur the wrath of this this demon who. Uh, so they take the game home with them, and if you say, if you ask someone to play, if you say Truth or Dare, they have no choice but to be part of the game, and so that they're going to be haunted as well. And and they get this creepy Joker smile on their faces. Yeah, they yeah some really bad effects being used and so it's a it's a it is in a lot of ways it's a ripoff of, of it follows there's a lot of you can see a lot of maybe final destination but what's interesting to me and will be interesting to no one else because i'm one of seven people who saw this movie uh direct writer director jeff wadlow a few years ago made a movie called cry wolf which was a bunch of teenagers playing parlor games and then it winds up killing them so basically he, he really just sort of remade his own bad movie hmm. and we have we have jeff wadlow issues Oh, yes, because he also did it a few years ago. He did the follow-up to Kick-Ass. He did Kick-Ass 2, and we both loved Kick-Ass so, so much. much. And then we went and saw Kick-Ass 2, and we thought, did this person even understand what made the original Kick-Ass so good? And the answer was no. Clearly no. Not. It was so, so badly done. But anyway, we digress. Yeah, you go back to this one. I mean, the performances the performances themselves are fine. The characters are incredibly broadly drawn. I mean, you you'll recognize each character so so Horror much that movie there's cliche exactly staples, there's yeah. very little that the actors can do to flesh them out. Uh, and and then you know there there's almost no blood. Again, it's PG thirteen, so the kills are not interesting in any way. Uh, there's it's it, it tries to be I think sort of a cautionary tale about how teens use too many devices. But it's so funny wow, that that's original. I know, <laughs> but it's I mean there was one part where. Where, you know, 
you 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 sort of hear the demon call your name when it's your turn. Like once you get back into reality and you don't, you know, and, and this this guy is going to a vending machine and he just keeps hearing Brad <laughs> And it just sounded like some stone guy like putting on a spooky voice. Brad wow. It was and that we all laughed. Yeah. We laughed out loud. So it basically takes that quote unquote it follows theme of you have to pass this curse on to save yourself. Yes. Right? And, and if then you know it's just gonna it come right back to you. Sure. Sure, and wraps it up in this cautionary tale that lands with a great big thud. Exactly. All right, moving on. A great lead performance drives this, this next movie. In Brooklyn, Kira loses her job and struggles to survive on her ailing mother's income. In Where Is Kira? Your mother. I'm really sorry. You all right? You notice, like, nothing you worked for is working. Thank God for my mom. She saved my ass. I'd like to cash this, please. Who's Ruth? That's my mother. Only she can cash her own check. This is Woods. I'm Detective Brennan. Do you have any idea what will happen to you if they catch you? I know that. Don't you think I know that? I am in over my head with this. Don't you get that? Come on, you know me. I don't think I do. Well, the lead performance we're talking about is Michelle Pfeiffer, and... You know, anybody that caught, even if you didn't like Mother, mm -hmm. uh, and we can argue about that later, uh, <laughs> even if you didn't like that, you have to acknowledge she gave a very incredible scene-stealing performance Yeah, she did. In and that you know movie. what else? She was also in Murder on the Orient Express last yes, year. Yes. And I mean, it's not like anybody needs to be sold on Michelle Pfeiffer as a talent, but she's really having, a, I think, a nice sort of... A return into reminding people that, hey, she's pretty darn talented. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. she's been one of those faces that has been around and been a celebrity mm -hmm. for decades now. Well, and but... she's, she's been Oscar nominated before. Oh, yeah. I mean, she's I mean, she's a tremendous talent. It's just, it's great to see her really dig in as a character actor, which is more what we've seen in the last couple of years. Yeah. And this is a lead performance, it's, exactly. but, it's an, it, but it's an indie film and it's very character driven. That's the thing. You've had these other, these other roles uh, that we talked about and, and some others that have been supporting roles. Uh, but now this is the lead, and this this movie she might be in every scene. Exactly, really, when you it's, think it's about a it. lead, lead. It is, and it rises and falls on her performance, which is not only great, but it elevates the entire film. Yes, um, it's the latest from uh, writer director. Well, he's a co-writer and director Andrew Dasunmu. And about five years ago, he did a wonderful movie that not a lot of people saw called Mother of George. Which, yeah, you loved that movie. Loved it, and it ended up, the the woman. I didn't realize it then because she wasn't in any of these things. But Danae Gurira who's now, I think I pronounced that right. Walking Dead. Who's Walking and Dead. Of course, and now Black in, uh, Panther. In Black Panther. And she plays the, the lead role in Mother of George. And she's wonderful. And it's, it's such a captivating movie. So this is his first movie since then. And it, it's, it's still solid. It doesn't rise to those very lofty heights, but it is solid and is really driven by Michelle Pfeiffer's performance. She is this woman, Akira, real down on her luck. She kind of brings the whole character, kind of uh, centers it with just, just sorrow. Yeah. You know, she, her it's spiraling out of control. You know, she can't get a job. And you do see her trying to get a job. Uh, and she's caring for her ailing mother. And then her, her mother passes away. And she finds that the checks, the government checks, keep coming in her mother's name. So she wonders, wow, is there, you know, she has some tough choices to make about uh, maybe how she can uh, continue to get that income. And she really, the only thing that's working out for her is this, she enters this kind of a dive bar romance with a cabbie named Doug, 
who's played by Kiefer Sutherland. Does a great job. Who's also very yeah, good. Very good. So you've got that, and he is also trying to turn his life around. Right. So much like Mother of George was, you've got the whole movie centered on a character study of a woman who is has some tough choices to make in some kind of desperate circumstances right. and, how, and how she handles those choices. And also I thought it was... It was this movie showed a nice undercurrent of not only kind of the perils of aging in America, but also how slippery the slope can become to finding yourself quite desperate. Yes, financially. financially. You know, it's interesting. One of the movies it reminded me of in a way was Frozen River, which is not a lot of people saw a few years ago uh, in indie. Great movie. And and it really brought home the idea of how quickly you can find yourself utterly destitute, homeless. Yes. And and in those situations, you know, it, you know, it it is easy to make a choice that maybe doesn't seem as morally up. You know, your moral compass maybe isn't pointing true north. On the other hand, what else are you going to do? And I think that this movie does a great job of exploring that exact moment where you as the audience, you're thinking, no, I probably did that, too. Yeah. The only it starts to come apart for me, it started to come apart a little bit at the end when. Yeah, there is a climax that. It just feels false. Rings yeah. does not ring as true as the rest of the film right. does. I really question the credibility of the choices these characters are making. It doesn't. It didn't sink the film for no, me. No, no. And by all means, the film is worth seeing just for the lead performance yes. by Michelle Pfeiffer alone. And it's still a solid movie. But toward the end, I really questioned some of those choices, which I didn't question at all in Mother of George. And and by the way, if you if you have a chance to check that out from a few years ago, do it. Because uh, he's a very talented filmmaker, yes, obviously. Yes. And he's dealing with the same screenwriter, Darcy Picoult, I think is her name. So they do make make a good team. And that is Where is Kira? Definitely some good stuff this week. Uh, new on home video. Let's go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. And boy, the one at the top of this list is the Oscar-nominated Phantom Thread. Such a great movie. Paul it is, Thomas Anderson, uh, who we love. Absolutely love. Uh, of course, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis, who everybody loves. And he was Oscar-nominated. Uh, the supporting actress, uh, Leslie Manville. She was wonderful. She was wonderful. Oscar she was Oscar-nominated. So it's really, we just talked about a character study. This is a character study as well. Yes. Of this man who's a, a dressmaker, mm -hmm. a very, very influential and highly prized dressmaker, costumer. Mm -hmm. And uh, his kind of this woman that comes into his life, his new muse, mm -hmm. and he kind of trades them out pretty frequently when they're no longer useful to him. Mm -hmm. He just kind of trades them in on another model. And this one, when he gets this this new muse in his life, things start taking a different turn. And that's where the character study comes in. But it's kind of movie as much as we liked it. It's the kind of movie that I think a lot of people might look at and go, oh, uh, nothing's happening. Right. Right. But it's it's a brilliantly made movie. It looks spectacular. All three performances are wonderful. And as long as you're not really looking for something that is incredibly plot driven, mm -hmm. but you can you can appreciate the interplay among these three characters. Each of the characters is really brilliantly drawn out, articulated, and their their interplay is is absolute genius. And the whole movie takes a weird turn at the end that I I thought was amazing. I I loved this movie. It did take a weird turn, but yeah, I, I liked it very much as well. That's Phantom Thread. Also one, uh, I liked All the Money in the World. It got a lot of headlines, obviously, for the last-minute switch from Kevin Spacey playing J. Paul Getty to Christopher Plummer. And it's I, the plumber switcheroo, George. It is the plumber switcheroo, and Ridley Scott did it. And I, I think 
you understand not only why he had to do it. He, yes. I mean, it was going to sink the movie. Oh, absolutely. And he got it done in, what, 30 days or something? Something crazy, It was yeah. amazing. It's seamless, though. It's a seamless transition, and Christopher Plummer is great, and he was Oscar-nominated. And I think it ranks up there with some of Ridley Scott's best work. It's the story of J. Paul Getty's grandson, very legendary story now. I think there's another movie or a miniseries planned about this story coming wow. out soon. Yeah. His grandson was kidnapped, uh, and then... At first, J. Paul Getty refusing to pay, and then things that happens um, over the over the course of those uh, days and weeks to get him back. And I think it's a very good script, very good script. The acting is solid. Michelle we, Williams, Michelle amazing. Williams was fantastic as uh, the boy's mother, and and Mark Wahlberg. We've said for a time now that Mark Wahlberg. It all depends on his director. Absolutely. When he has a strong director, he mm-hmm. can do strong work, mm-hmm. and I think he does. He does here. But I was really surprised Michelle Williams uh, didn't get nominated for an Oscar. I thought she deserved it. She's great in this, and it's well-written, and I liked it. All the money in the world. Also, Molly's Game is out this week, one we liked. And it's the first, it's the directing debut for Aaron Sorkin. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And he wrote it as well. And so there's a lot, a lot of Sorkinisms. It's very Sorkin. Very, because because <laughs> usually when he writes it, of course, somebody else directs it, and they can sort of tamp down a little right, bit of the right. Sorkinisms. But Re- this one, kind of rain him in, in a little bit. A little mm-hmm. bit. But it's, it's the story, it's a true life story about Molly Bloom, who was an Olympic level skier and was sidelined with an injury and uh, trying to put herself through college. She winds up working with these at these these backroom poker games and then is smart enough to figure out how to run her own. Yeah. And then the next thing you know, not only is she making an insane amount of money doing this, but she's she's rubbing elbows with celebrities and and like business tycoons and you know Arab if, sheiks exactly billionaires it is yeah. it is a fascinating story it, it really is uh jessica chastain plays molly bloom she's always amazing she's she's just absolutely wonderful all of the time and and idris elba plays her lawyer they have a great that was a great pairing mm-hmm. because sorkin's Films are so dialogue heavy, and the, the dialogue tends to just come at you like machine gun fire. And, and it can be unrealistic, and that's not the way people talk right. all the time. And that's yeah. very much a kind of the delivery that Chastain uses, which works really well, but I think it works better because Idris Elba's character is very laid back, mm-hmm. very slow and deliberate, and it just it balances out really well. Yeah, it's enjoyable, and also, after you see it, I, I would wait until after you see it, then go online and Google some of the real people that this movie portrays because in the movie some of the big wigs that play cards they don't use their real names but you can easily find out yes. who they mean and, and you will oh, want to know who michael Sarah plays who michael Sarah is yeah. also amazing in yeah, this movie just find out especially who michael Sarah plays and it's it's a scream so yeah we we liked molly's game not so much for Proud Mary uh, as much as we like Taraji P. Henson. Uh, oh, you were so disappointed in this one because the, tra- the the trailer, the marketing yes. was so great. It had that throwback black exploitation feel. Oh, yes. yeah. And it's about uh, Taraji P. playing Mary, a contract killer who gets involved with this young boy and trying to put him on the straight and narrow while sorting out her own life. And yeah, it was a real disappointment. It didn't have any of that vibe no, none. Really, until the very end, if if at all. Yeah. And yeah. it just, yeah, it was it was a disappointment. And so one that a lot of people like that we didn't like quite as much, but it's okay, uh, The Greatest Showman. It's very enjoyable. It's very enjoyable. It's very likable. The music is very, is very likable. Of course, Hugh Jackman, always likable. Yeah, we talk about The Rock. Well, yeah. This is another guy who's just incredibly likable. One of them Hugh has Jackman. a lot more talent than the other one does. <laughs> but he, no, he's great. Zac Efron is great. Uh, it had an Oscar-nominated song, which, to be honest with you, I thought was going to win. I thought for sure it was going to win. By the way, I got to say, you were at, you were uh, brought up to me the other day about Hugh Jackman's online uh, 
love letter to his wife yes. on their anniversary. Did you? You've got to look up Ryan Reynolds' response to that. <laughs> everybody, he trolls Hugh Jackman all the time. Everybody, looked that up. It is a scream. <laughs> but yeah, continue. <laughs> no, you know it's it's an enjoyable movie. It's a musical, full out. It's a little too upbeat because it's a story about P.T. Barnum, who wasn't a good yeah, guy. Right? They and really they give, give him, it a sheen. They don't give they? him a very Dickensian yeah. upbringing, mm-hmm. which, as far as I can tell, was completely untrue. And yeah, they really make him out to be this incredibly wholesome, good dude. But still, it's an interesting story if you have no idea who it's about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's the greatest showman. A good batch of stuff out on uh, home entertainment this week. We do want to let you know that if you're in the Columbus, Ohio area, just found out we're going to be recording this podcast live in front of the audience. At the Columbus Podcast Festival. Very exciting. That is going to be coming up. Yeah, it's a festival. And our slot is going to be Friday night, May 11th. I believe the time for us is 8.45, 8.30, something like that. We'll we'll get more specifics on that, but you can find uh, the info. We'll have plenty of updates on all of our social media platforms. And that, of course, MadWolf.com, our main website. Uh, on Facebook and Instagram, we're Mad Wolf Columbus, and on Twitter, that's always good. We love to hear from you as well at Mad Wolf and M A D D W O L F. Exactly. And if you want to get some information just on the the festival in general, they've got the website columbuspodcastfestival.com. But again, if you're in the area, we would love to have you uh, in the audience. There's going to be a lot of great podcasts, right? Central Ohio podcasts being uh, recorded that night, and we are very glad and excited to be among those. So more information will be coming up. So we'd love to hear from you on any of the social media platforms. If you can, let, let us know what you thought about these movies or anything coming up. Because next week, kind of a kind of an off week. It's Super Troopers 2. How long has it been since Super Troopers? A thousand years. It's been quite That's a while. Ballpark. And also an animated, new animated movie called Duck, Duck, Goose. But the next week is what, right, George? Right, it's Avengers. Infinity War. Infinity War, War uh, where we try to see how much screen time they all can have. Because that's a lot of people. That's too many people. And you just told me last night, some of them are going to get killed. We're going to lose yes, some. Yes, we are going to lose some. Interesting. Yep, we are. Who's going to be? Should, yeah, no, I should, we should take bets. I think Scarlet <laughs> Witch is going to go. And, Lay uh, your bets down. Yeah, I, right. I think they're going to kill Scarlet Witch. So we'll see. But next week, kind of quiet, unless something else pops up we're not thinking of. And we will find out then. But The Screening Room is a presentation of the Columbus Radio Group and Marcus Crosswoods Theater. Until next week, I'm George Wolf. I'm Hope Madden. And this is The Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye.